What up, what up, what up? How is everybody? We're good, Justin! All right. I know it's the end of spring break, but we're going to have to be a little bit better than that. Corinne, I need you to lead us in here, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. How's everybody's spring break? Who, who went to the beach by a show of hands? Who went to the beach? Who went somewhere else? Okay, not mountains. Let's go. Who traveled the furthest for spring break? Colorado. That's pretty far. Is that where y'all went? Colorado. Anybody past Colorado? Stop. No, Bonnie, you did not. You did not travel further. All right, Colorado, that's the furthest. Anybody go out of the country for spring break? Bonnie, quit. You're lying in front of everybody. Lord, we're going to deal with you. I'm just kidding. Hey, uh, we are starting a brand new series tonight. It is called Formations. I'm excited about it. So this next few weeks, Pastor Amir is going to be here in two weeks. Uh, he is talking, I believe, on rest. On the podcast, yeah, he may be there too. Um, but I'm teaching next week, and then we have summer kickoff here in a few weeks. So I'm excited about it. But tonight, if you have your uh, notebooks, journals, ladies, journals, men, uh, whatever, whatever we call the journals, uh, the notes app in our iPhone, if y'all want to get those out, this is going to be one that I promise you want to take notes on because you will, as I've been preparing the Lord has really been convicting me in, we're talking tonight on the topic of worship and what it looks like, uh, what it means truly, because I, I feel like we have a culture that's very familiar with worship, but to truly know what worship is, uh, like I've never been taught on what worship truly is and what it's not. And uh, tonight we're going to dive into it a little bit. And then after the message tonight, we're going to have some time to reflect and uh, really Ask the Lord to reveal in us some certain things that may be in our life that we may have been worshiping uh, that we need to let go of. So I believe tonight's going to be, uh, how many of you have ever opened the top on Pringles? You know what I'm talking about? The, the, it got, like, it probably is louder than what I just did, but once you pop the fun don't stop, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I got a picture of, of something like this, and when truly we pop that seal on those, I, I believe tonight, for a lot of us, what we've seen and known worship to be, the depths of what you're going to understand and know it to be are going to be so much better. Um, and so I'm excited for us to dive in together. But we're going to be in Psalm 95 if you want to go there. Um, I'm going to be as quick as I can. Bailey's got me on a 20-minute timer. Thank you. Uh, but then we're also going to spend a good amount of time just reflecting. I want to make sure that we have time for that. So um, everyone can just say, hurry up and... Y'all can, y'all can encourage me in that because we want to spend time with the Lord reflecting on what, what he wants us to know and what he wants us to hear. So Psalm 95, uh, how many of you have ever seen the show, How It's Made? Have y'all ever seen that? Okay. I'm like, I love it. I haven't seen it in a little while, but they just for those of you who don't know, obviously the name kind of gives it away, but they talk about the worst one that I've probably ever seen is hot dogs. Y'all seen that one? It's so gross. It's so bad. They show you, obviously, how hot dogs are made. But they go through cars, clothes, uh, yeah, springs, anything you can think of, they, they, they talk about how it's made. And anything that is worth value, anything that's important, anything that we would consider worth having, 
goes through a specific process in order to be made well. And I believe the same goes in our relationship with the Lord. I believe that there are certain factors and certain things in our walk with God that create us uh, to be mature and strong and confident in our relationship with God. And so this series, that's what we're going to be covering. Obviously not all of them, because I believe there's probably more than three. But we're going to cover three weeks worth of those. And so I'm excited about it. But let's jump into Scripture. Y'all ready? I need you to say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, if, if y'all do hear something you like tonight, you can say, mm, that's good. Or like, elbow your neighbor and be like, did you hear that? Uh, I, I'm going to encourage you to, to feedback, to kind of talk with me. Because uh, that's going to help. So, Psalm 95, 1 through 11. This is a chunk of scripture. So, uh, buckle up. So, I'm reading out the ESV if y'all are in your phones or you're uh, farsighted and can't read the screens. Or whatever the correct term is. I don't know which one it is. But all you people that need to know, know. So here we go. Psalm 95, 1 through 11. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountain are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as at Meribah. Y'all object? Okay, we're going to call it that. As on the day at Massah, in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof. This is talking about the journey out of uh, Egypt into the promised land. That's what this chunk of scripture is referring to. When your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had, not, though they had seen my work for 40 years, talking about the 40 years in the wilderness, I loathed the generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest which is the promised land, which those people never had. And the people underneath Joshua then entered into the promised land, uh, and that promise came true. But tonight, we're going to dive into worship, and I want to kind of phrase it, and if I could like subtitle or whatever, our hearts are always going to worship something. We have to choose what we worship. Our hearts will always worship something. We will have to choose what we worship. I want to pray for us tonight. God, as we get into your scripture, Lord, I pray that you would teach us, Lord, the things in us that are not like you, the things that need to be removed. Holy Spirit, would you show us, highlight those areas in our life? And God, we pray that tonight, um, God, that we can grow, that we can understand more about worship and what it is that pleases you and honors you. And God, I pray that as we talk tonight and go through your word, that we would be encouraged. Thank you for your grace, the love that comes. Thank you for the cross and our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the relationship you pursue with us, that you want with us. And Lord, out of that comes our desire to grow in worship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, to start tonight, uh, how many of you have ever heard of the dating apps that you can download? Some of you may be on there. Some of you may have used them before. It's not a bad thing. You can say you have. It's church. It's okay. Um, how many of you have ever downloaded like the Walmart grocery app or Kroger app? Uh, how many of you have... Not, the, my point in all of this is, if you go on the dating app, you can basically swipe 
whichever way, I don't remember what it is. Uh, you can basically find people who are compatible. You can like certain people. You can pick the cutest people. It doesn't matter. We get to choose who we could go on a date with. You get on the Amazon, or thank you, you, you get to uh, go on Amazon or even Kroger or Walmart, and you look at the list, and you're like, I want all of these things, put them in the cart, check it out, and they can even bring it to your house. It's crazy. Um, there are a couple other examples. Uh, YouTube TV. I don't know how many of you use that, uh, but we do. We don't have cable. We have YouTube TV. But I get to pick the channels that are included in my package that I pay for every month, which is insane to me. If you go buy a new car right now, uh, holla, who's got money for that? Not, nobody. And not even me, sorry. <laughs> it's not me. Uh, you get to pick out not only the car you want, the style you want, the type of car, maybe your price range, that factors in. But I was talking to somebody the other day. We had to get our windshield replaced. You can buy cars now that it's automatic that the windshield washers come on. When it rains, they're like, okay. They do it themselves. And you know when you get in there and it's fogged up on the windshield and it's like they automatically do it for you now. There are so many options that we have to include in on the car that we want to buy. The point I'm getting at is in our generation right now, we have grown up in a generation, mainly you, not so me. We have had all of the options of the things we want. And the things we don't want, we can exclude those things. And when it pertains to our relationship with the Lord, I feel like it's dangerous to carry over the same concepts and ideals that are, that are found in culture into our relationship with God. But if we're not careful, we as believers can do the exact same thing we do with everyday life in our relationship with God. And even when it comes to worship even when it comes to the Word of God, even when it comes to our time and community with other people. And so tonight as we focus on worship, I want you to know that we can't worship Jesus and parts of the world. There's no way it can happen. They, it, call, it calls it lukewarm in the New Testament. But there's no, there's no way that we can worship parts of God that we think are good and parts of the world. We just cannot. So what is worship? It's important for us to understand the definition of worship in order for us to continue today. Worship is the act of assigning something or someone ultimate value in our life. How many of you have ever seen the Masters Golf Tournament? Travis isn't here, my one golfer. Uh, How many of you have ever seen a golf tournament? Or maybe even like a tournament, like the bracket. How many of you have ever seen the bracket? The championship spot, the March Madness is going on. Nobody? Okay. How many of you have ever seen anybody in the world? How many of you? Okay, I'm just kidding. So in a, in a leaderboard, there's normally somebody at the top, and they're normally winning, whatever that means, whether it's golf, the lowest score, whatever sport you're in. Like, they're the one that's on top. It's, it's important for us as believers to understand that there's always going to be something in that top spot, and I'm going to uncover tonight that it's easy to misplace or, or, or replace, rather, God with something else in that top spot. And we have to be aware that it's happening in our life. So, for instance, growing up, one of the easiest things for me to put in that top spot was baseball. That was me. From f- age four, how many of y'all played sports growing up or did something like dance, cheer, whatever? So age four, I was able to, like, walk and eat and, like, talk to people. I was like, give me a bat. Give me a ball. I'm, I'm going out to the fields. It was my whole life. It dictated what I did in the summer, what I did on spring break. From fall, September, we signed up for fall league, all the way until the end of summer. Basically, I was playing baseball. 
That's what we did. And then I graduated high school. I moved to college. It dictated where I went to school. Uh, It dictated what friends I had. It dictated what circles I ran with. Everything revolved around baseball. And when I look back, my life, I worshipped baseball. My whole life was about that. And I think for so many of us, if we were to look back, we could pinpoint certain things in our life that we could say, it's easy for me to identify, I worshipped this thing or that person my whole childhood, or maybe this season of my life. It's easy for us to do so. We will worship something, uh, but I want to ask you a question. What are you worshiping? And I know for a lot of us in here, we're believers, and so I want to ask this question to a room of believers because it's, it, it sounds good that we would all say the Lord. How many of you just would, would love to say, and you can say confidently, I do worship the Lord? All of you can probably say this. You can raise your hand. It's not a trick question. <laughs> but at, at moments, and I'm about to, to kind of tell you some of those things in my life, it's easy for other things to creep up into that top spot. So, for instance, um, last November, and Amir and Evan are not here right now, so they're my accountability partners, and they would uh, be proud of me for sharing this with you. How many of you know of the trading card buzz that's going around? So baseball, basketball, football cards, you can sell them on eBay. You can make huge money on them. People are investing in them like they do stock market and NFTs. I don't really even know what those are, really, uh, but I hear the phrase. Well, those cards went off. My dad brought home all of his that he had when he he was a kid, so I nerded out. And for four weeks, this ruled my life. I'm telling you. It was bad. Uh, my wife said, I don't know who you are anymore. <laughs> uh, I was making decisions with our finances that I should not have been making because it was an investment. It was something that would pay off in the end. I was not talking to my wife about it. And this happened in the course of a week. And I'm telling you this story to highlight the idea that it we're not, I'm a pastor, if I'm not anywhere close to perfect, but if anybody should have it together, it should be me. But I'm telling you, it's easy for us to find ourselves in a place where that top spot that should be and is reserved for God can easily be trumped with something because our hearts are ultimately deceitful. It says in uh, Jeremiah 17.9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can even... In one version it says, trust it. Who can understand it? Our hearts are ultimately going to worship something if we don't dictate what it worships. So we read Psalm 95. Uh, I'm going to give you some other uh, examples throughout Scripture. But back to my question, what do you worship? I want you to write this down. What is the one thing that if you lost it, you would be devastated? What's the one thing that if you lost it, you would be devastated. Maybe it's your Instagram account. Maybe it's boo. Maybe it's boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe it's uh, your phone in general. (laughs) That's me, probably. (laughs) Um, Maybe it's people-pleasing. Let's look at some other people in Scripture. Uh, Woman at the well. You look at this story. I talked about it this morning. This woman worshipped men in her life. Her identity and her worth were found in the men that she was surrounded by. Her four marriages 
and then the guy that she was with ultimately at the end, and Jesus confronted her on it. But her life and everything about her was wrapped up in the relationship she found herself in. Uh, you look at the rich young ruler in, the next, in Luke 18. His money and his success was what ruled his decisions. He worshipped all of it. The Pharisees worshipped the temple. Obviously, not a bad thing. You love God, you love God's house, you love the church, but he missed the Lord. He missed the relationship. They missed the, the relationship and they focused on the things you had to do right. They worshipped the temple itself and missed out on God. There's so many things that can ultimately take that first spot. For me, I'm just going to open up my heart and my story for a minute. Uh, for me, success is one of those things. It can creep up along with sports cards. I already told you that. But success can ultimately rise up to the top even before my relationship with the Lord and it can sneakily take that first spot without me even really knowing it. And what that does is it, I start prioritizing, am I doing things well? Am I complete, is my name that's attached to this, is it good? Am I working hard? Am I doing the things that need to be done? Am I making sure that if, and this ties into another one, people pleasing. Do people uh, like what I'm putting out? Do people like the talk that I gave? Do people... Anything that, but it can creep up without even really knowing. And secondly, some of you are also in here with me in this is body image. If I get to a certain place, or I reach a certain weight, or I get to a certain uh, look, then I'll have it in control. I'll have it in, under control. I'll be where I need to be. People will respect me more. Pe- All of these type things can take that first spot. What is it for you? That's it's easy. And if if we think about it and we take a moment. It's easy to notice it, identify it. And I want you to write that down because we're going to do something here in just a moment. I want to give you the definition of an idol as we talk about worship. And then I'm going to read a Tim Keller quote. An idol is the worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God. And I'm not saying we have a room full of idol worshipers. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. But here's Tim Keller. It says, an idol is whatever you look at and you say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life as meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. Our hearts are idol factories. Our hearts have this ability in its fleshly sinful nature to create things that we ultimately crave, want, or won't relent until we achieve it. And what I'm asking you tonight is we break down these next, in these next few minutes, how, why do we worship the Lord? And then a few points on application. What happens when we identify those things? So if you got your Bible open, Psalm 95, we're going we're gonna to walk through this real quick. You ready? It says, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. For, his is, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. I'm going to give you a couple of phrases from this verse of scripture that can ultimately be what grounds us when we think about why should we be worshiping? Why do we even worship God? God is... There's so many things that fight for the worship that we have. Why do we worship God? The Lord is a great God. It says in Scripture, if you think back, this is David in a submissive, logical acknowledgement that God, 
is great. If you think back, David is in his heart, in, in the lineage, all the way back through Moses, through Noah, through all of the things that he's read, and all of his family members, all of his great-grandparents and the great-greats, everything that's been passed down is God is good. God is great. Everything that I know about God, he is good. And nothing that he's ever done, he's never proven himself unfaithful, ungreat, whatever that word is, I don't really... He's never proven himself ungreat. He is a great God. He is a great king. That's another one, a great king. This is straight from Psalm 95. A king has authority whether earned or not. A king is placed in position of authority over us. There is no one better to be in kingship over our life than Jesus Christ. No one better at all. God is a perfect, great king, worthy of ruling my life and yours. His power, his faithfulness, his character is flawless. It is perfect. Who else would you want ruling and leading your life than God himself? He is above all gods. He has been number one forever. Like the back-to-back-to-back-to-back with ellipsis champ. Like no one's ever taken that throne from him. He is the number one. He is above every other god. Every, there was the, I don't remember the portion of scripture. I didn't look it up. But the, the, the battle between gods. I forget who it is. Does anybody know? Uh, the battle of Baal and the battle of, what is it? Elijah. Elijah said, hey, bring your gods up here. We're going to battle out. We're going to put sacrifices on the altar. We're going to soak them in water. Whoever God throws down fire and burns it up is going to be the real God. So the other guys were like, other guys were like, yeah, God, burn that up. And they were like, come on now. And then it throws to Elijah. Elijah prays on God. He throws down some fire, burns it all up. And they're like, this is the God. He is the only God. He is the one. He's never been proved not to be the top, number one. God above all gods. The mountains and seas are his. How many of you went to the ocean or the mountains this week? Raise your hands. Let me see. With pride. Raise them up. You paid all that money to go. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing I like more than driving through landscapes that are different than where we are right now. Because what the ocean does, I love the sounds of the waves. I love seeing the endless water. It looks like it goes on forever. The mountains are so high. You drive through them, you feel like you're so tiny. This is what happens when we're driving through God's creation. There are parts of the world I've never seen that are probably far more beautiful than anything we just talked about. God created everything and it belongs to him. He can dictate the borders. He can dictate something squashing the mountains. He can dictate any of it. God is worthy of our praise and we are the people of his pasture. You are secure, you are found, you are rescued, you are whole, you are new, you are purposed, you are made alive, you are given a new identity. Everything is found in him. Nothing in your strength or ability can you achieve outside of God in this area. You are people of his pasture. He has chosen you. These are all reasons that we get to choose and we should be worshiping God. So we understand it, we realize that things can come into our life, but what do we do when things ultimately take the throne or how do we make sure that we worship God and God first and God alone every day? I have four, I have four things for you to do every morning and I'm doing the same thing. As we try to bow our knee, it says in scripture, in Psalm 195, it says, Oh come, let us worship and bow down Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. 
Point number one is request God to search your heart. The reason it's worded this way is you cannot search your own heart. We, we have no ability to see and identify and pinpoint the things that, are, that are, are bad in our hearts, the things that are off. Because what our sinful nature does is it says, well, that's not that bad. It's okay. If we say, God, search our hearts, and it says in Psalm 139, 23 through 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We have to ask God to search our hearts. What this looks like is in prayer, in the morning, short and simple. God, will you search my heart for anything that doesn't line up with you or your word? And that's it. And God is faithful to say, look, there's some pride in your heart. This thing you've been worshiping, you've been spending too much time with, this relationship means a little too much to you. The second is repent of worshiping something other than God. This word repent just means a turning and about face away from something that's not in the way of God. What this looks like is just apologizing. God, I'm sorry for worshiping something other than you. And I want to worship only you. Short and simple. Remind yourself of Jesus' sacrifice. In Psalm 146, it says, meditate on God's goodness. And then David lists out all that God is, all that God does. I'm not going to read it. You can write it down. Psalm, 1, Psalm 145 and 146. We have to reflect and remind ourselves and and think about Jesus and what he did for us. Heather was talking about it when, when we were leading, when we were in worship. The reason we want to worship God and God alone is because of the relationship he ultimately wants with us. That's why we want to talk about formations. That's why we want to talk about how do we grow in our relationship with God. This is why. He wants relationship with us. And then lastly, remain thankful and humble. And this is, God, thank you for your grace. I'm nothing without you. I will live for you all of my days. At the end of Psalm 95, it says, do not harden your hearts. We saw the people coming out of Egypt ultimately harden their hearts at God and his provision. He said, I'm leading you to the promised land. They said, I would rather go back to Egypt and eat what they've got because we're not getting what we need out here. They ultimately doubted God's goodness and his faithfulness in their life. And that ultimately led to them not experiencing the presence of God. So when we hear the voice of God, let's be obedient. Let's not harden our hearts. Let's ultimately search out and seek out. God, is there anything in me that's not like you? Because we as believers, we want God ask us to live in accordance to his word, seeking out relationship with him. And I don't believe that we have been led astray in worship. That's not the point of the talk tonight. I believe in a generation and a culture that so many things are almost decided for us what are important, but also what we get to choose on a regular basis is important, can sometimes trump God in that number one spot. And Lord, I'm worshiping you and you alone. 
tonight, I want to I want to open up. You can come up here and pray. You can go to the sides. You can even kneel at your chair. But I want to take a moment and ask that question. What am I worshiping? And like I said, the Lord highlighted four things in my life that in the past three months have been something that I've diverted my attention and my worship to unknowingly and really unintentionally, but it still happened. So I want us to know that even if it does happen, it's fine. You're not far from God. You're, you're not out of the family. You're not unsaved. It's fine. We have to acknowledge and repent. Know that something has taken that spot and say, God, this is, this is not what I want. God, I'm turning back to you. And so not, tonight, I want this room to be an altar. I want to make these, these places right here, wherever you decide for that to be. I want to ask the Lord, search my heart, oh God. Is there any grievous way in me? Is there anything that's not like you? Is there anything that's upsetting to you, oh Lord? And then I want us to leave it up here. I want us to offer that spot back to God. Let him sit there on the throne. And then I want us to just listen and hear what he has to say. Because, um, man, I, I see a generation that when we worship, we know worship. We choose churches on worship. We choose great churches who sound good. We watch YouTube videos. Our Spotify playlists are full of it. Like, we get worship. But do we really get worship? Do we get it? Like, is everything that we're about, is every, are our decisions, like, dictated from baseball, decisions that we're making, schools that we go to, does our worship of God, our relationship with Him, does it rule and dictate everything about our lives? If not, we need to put Him back at the front. So I'm going to pray really quick and then.